This is the word of God from Matthew 6. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Well, church, uh, it's my privilege to open the Word of God with you today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Sound City Bible Church, and we really do miss you when you're not here in person, and we hope to be able to uh, be back together again soon. Today we're going to be talking about prayer. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. So here we are at the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. And I want to start with a bit of a disclaimer. Um, I am no expert. That's my disclaimer. I am no expert in prayer. And probably like most of you, I feel that I have much to learn about prayer, much growth that I need in my prayer life. So don't feel that this is me talking down to you lowly people who don't know how to pray. This is us all looking to the words of Christ to learn together and be encouraged and equipped for how to pray. And so the idea behind today's message is true prayer, connecting our hearts to the heart of God. And uh, so if you will, let's pray together and we'll dig into the text. Our Heavenly Father, even as we pause in this moment to pray to you, we recognize our weakness when it comes to prayer and knowing how to pray, knowing what to pray, having our, our, our full heart connected to our praying. And so we just ask for your help. We ask for you to tear down any barriers that we've let build up between us and you. And we ask that you would inspire us, encourage us, equip us to communicate with you in genuine ways. And we pray all this in the name of the one Savior you've given us, your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we just, uh, we just heard our text read, and uh, as we begin, I want to think about this, this truth that wasn't necessarily in that text, but it was kind of underlying it, and that is, prayer is difficult. Prayer, prayer is difficult for most people. And uh, in fact, when Luke records the Sermon on the Mount, or excuse me, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, when Luke records the Lord's Prayer, he has a little section just before it that the disciples, Jesus' disciples, actually come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. They recognized the difficulty uh, that prayer is. And I would say most of us would like to become better at praying, would like to uh, feel that our prayers are effective and heartfelt and that we really do live our lives standing on a foundation of prayer. So, but why is prayer so difficult? In, uh, in his book, uh, Spiritual Dis- Disciplines uh, for the Christian Life, Don Whitley, uh, Don Whitney, uh, he kind of drills down on what are some of the barriers to prayer, what makes prayer so difficult. And I've, I've referenced his book in the uh, more resources on our sermons page on the website if you want to look that up and read it. But, um, but here's some, here some reasons that prayer might be so difficult. Maybe you are intimidated by prayer. Maybe someone in your life at some point was such a powerful prayer that you realized you could never measure up and you became intimidated. Uh, or you... Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe you were never around anyone who was praying. And now this idea of talking to God just seems overwhelming. 
other reasons prayer is difficult, maybe you get distracted easily. Maybe your mind races. Maybe you uh, have a hard time focusing. Um, and, and actually, there are techniques that you can use to help with that. Um, perhaps you doubt that your prayer is effective. And this is, this is a big one for, for people. Uh, it's hard to pray if you doubt that prayer even does anything. It's hard to pray if you doubt that God is listening. Uh, another reason prayer is difficult is perhaps you feel distant from God. Maybe you feel that that's on God's side. Maybe you feel that it's on your side. But you feel a great separation between you and God. And therefore, talking to God is almost impossible. Uh, perhaps, and this is a definitely a spiritual aspect, perhaps you feel self-sufficient. You have no reason to talk to God because you don't need His help. Maybe it's defiance, maybe it's pride, maybe you are blessed with many resources and don't see the need for God or even see His hand at work in your life. And perhaps you've never been taught to pray. And I would say today's passage is ideal for addressing many of these barriers, but including that one, that if you feel like you've never been taught to pray, there is great hope. Just keep listening for the next 25 to one hour, 25 minutes to an hour, something like that. We'll see where we go. But here is what, why we are looking at this passage, and it's the quote from Luke 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. When it comes to the difficulty of prayer, let's just say, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and if, for any, if any of those difficulties in prayer or any other difficulties have led you to a place of guilt or shame when it comes to prayer, uh, that really is a work of the enemy on your heart. There's no reason to feel guilty when it comes to praying to God. There's no reason to feel shame that you didn't pray yesterday or you didn't pray the week before. Maybe you haven't prayed for a year. Don't let guilt and shame keep you from praying. We can all become more consistent in our praying. We can all become more effective and more heartfelt in our praying. And so let's do that together as we look to what is true prayer. As, as Josh read our text, we saw a comparison in, in that teaching from Jesus about prayer. He started with, don't do these things. Uh, and so he was teaching us that we should pray by genuinely communicating with God. That's, our, that, that's what prayer is at its essence. It's genuinely communicating with God. So here is what he said, don't do. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Uh, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So that, that's an idea of what a disingenuous prayer is like. You're just saying words that you think will get God's attention. Or you're saying phrases or you're heaping up lots of words. But that's, that's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about genuinely communicating with God, talking to God. And, and if we think about that, we, we can understand why it might be intimidating. I was thinking about when was the time that I ever was just intimidated to talk to somebody. And I, my mind went back to junior high when my group of guy friends wanted to talk to girls. It is totally intimidating as a junior high guy to go talk to junior high girls. Well, I'm sure uh, once we realized that all it was, there's no magic to it, there's no secret to it, all it was is just being genuine, just talking, just opening up and being friendly and kind and talking. It probably was a game changer if we ever got to that point. But the same is true with God. There's, there's no big secret to it. God is just inviting us. It's an invitation. And so when we think about the basics of prayer and what prayer is, God is inviting us to talk to Him. God invites us to pray. Even in just this one little section that Josh read for us, we saw four times this, this invitation or this idea of God, God's opening the door. Come talk to me. 
He says, Matthew 5, 6, 5, and when you pray. 6, 6, but when you pray. 6, 7, and when you pray. And 6, 9, pray then like this. All these are like, it's like an open door. God's saying, come, pray. Come talk to me. Come visit with me. I don't know if you feel this way, but maybe you feel like you're going to bother God if you pray to him. God cannot be bothered by your prayers. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in a good way. You will not bother God. You will not bother God no matter how often you pray or how insignificant you feel that your prayer is. There is no prayer too small to bring to God. It's like the Paw Patrol. Anybody, anybody's kids watch Paw Patrol? There's no pup too small. You can, my kids love Paw Patrol, so that's why it's on my mind. But there's no prayer too small. For instance, I have a friend that uh, she, uh, she would always encourage people, if, they, if you'd misplaced something, pray about it. Because in her life, that, that has had a significant impact on her. She, would, she misplaced her keys or her, her glasses or her phone or whatever. She would immediately, before she searched everywhere and then prayed, she would pray first and then search. And always give God credit for listening to her small, simple prayer and guiding her to what she needed. Here's, here's how we know, or this is a rule of thumb that I use when it's, uh, should I pray about this or not? If you are concerned about it, pray about it. If you are moved by it, pray about it. If it sparks something inside of you, pray about it. And that could be in the positive or the negative. Here's a, a really simple little um, example. One of the place, one of the experiences that I have that most often prompts my heart to pray is when I'm riding my motorcycle. All right? Now, I uh, don't close my eyes when I pray that time, but this is why. I get such joy from riding my motorcycle, being out, enjoying uh, nature and, and the wind and just the freedom that comes with it, that when my heart goes to joy, I immediately want to express thanks to God. I immediately want to, uh, to be connected to the joy giver. And so there is no prayer too small. Anything that you're concerned about, moved by, uh, pray to God about it. But also here's another misconception maybe you have about, about prayer, and that is that God is pining away, just waiting for you to come and talk to him. That he's just kind of sitting alone in his throne room, just wishing that you would come and talk to him. Well, so God does invite us, and the door is wide open. Come and talk. But God, God is not uh, lonely for your prayers. All right, we serve a powerful and a perfectly uh, content God in his triune Godhead. Uh, So God doesn't need us, we need him. And that's the attitude we come to prayer. He invites us into his presence to share our thoughts and our hearts with him. Here's another important aspect of genuinely uh, communicating with God, and it's this, that God... Here's our prayers. God hears our prayers. That, that, that right there, that truth is powerful and deep. We could, you could meditate on that all day. And, and some of the songs we sang and the scriptures we already read today help us just dig deep on that idea. But the, the, the immovable creator of all things bends his ear down, not just to humanity in general, but to you and I specifically. He bends his ear to the concerns of our hearts, the thoughts of our minds. The scripture says, what is man that God is mindful of him? And at the same time, it says, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. God hears our prayers. Now, it's important to remember what Jesus is saying, though. There's no magic formulas. There's no incantations or mantras you have to say. If you, if you grew up in church and, and you heard people pray consistently, you would probably notice patterns. 
And you might get into your mind that you have to pray with these certain words, certain phrases, certain uh, repetitions that happen. And that, that's just human religiosity or tradition or something. That, that's not tied to what you have to do to pray. No, God is listening and there's no need for incantations and mantras and magic formulas. A great example of this, uh, and I really encourage you to go read this passage sometime this week, is 1 Kings chapter 18. You're probably familiar with the story, if not the reference. It is Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And, and it's this two pictures of a false religion and how people pray to false gods and the, and the true religion of the true God and how someone would talk to God, our Heavenly Father, God. And it's complete opposite. So you got the, the prophets of Baal uh, that uh, had been leading the, the country in the wrong direction. And the one last, uh, in his mind, the one last prophet was there, Elijah. And he was, he said, God said, it is time now to draw the people back to me. And so they set up this test to see which God is the true God, Baal the false God or the one true God. And so the prophets of Baal, there's 450 of them plus another 400 of uh, prophets of Asherah. So like you have 850 prophets around in, on this mountain. And, and Elijah says, we're going to have this test. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I want you to go read it. But he says, you're going to ask your God to move and to, to give a sign and start and they just start praying and they're going all day and they're 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 encanting they're they're chanting they're marching around they even have uh traditions where they're cutting themselves and even even religions in the world still do this today they cut themselves to that their pain would get the attention of god and they're doing all these things and and uh for for the whole day uh until it comes time for the evening uh sacrifice uh, of the, the, is the Jewish faith. And then Elijah steps over here to the one true God and utters this simple prayer. Genuine, heartfelt, no repetitions, no, uh, you have to get God's attention, just simple, heartfelt prayer. And immediately God answers his prayer with the sign that they were asking for. And it was very obvious that God hears our prayers, no magic needed, no uh, no recipe needed, just relationship. And uh, when I think about the, the repetition, um, to I think about my little kids. Uh, we have two and a half year old twins. And, uh, and when they want their mommy's attention, so they're talking really well, they will say her name like a hundred times without stopping. I don't know how they even breathe. And if they want something, for instance... If they want a drink of water, uh, mommy, I want water, 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 like without stopping. And it, in their mind, they think, I just have to say it enough times for her to hear me and give me what I want. Well, that is not the way it works with God. And so that's what Jesus was, was trying to help us understand. Now, one caveat, this is different than persevering through faith in prayer over time. And we're going to talk about that hopefully in a minute. That's not the same thing as in a prayer having to repeat yourself lots of times to get God's attention. But then how does this prayer work? Well, remember I said it's about relationship and we're about to dig into that. But we, there's a lot of debate about how prayer actually works. If you have a sovereign God who is not bound by time and can see all things at all times knows every need that you have, as Jesus just told us, and knows exactly how to meet that need, then why does he need us to ask for it? And if he is completely unchangeable and immovable because he is perfect, how can our prayers sway him? So there's a lot of debate in theology about how prayer works. We don't, you don't have to know that or understand that to know and stand on the promise that prayer works, that God listens to us, that God, uh, that in the praying, God works with us and through us and invites us into his work. And there's mystery and beauty and majesty in it, but we know that it is true, that it's connecting our hearts to the heart of God. And in fact, very often, 
doing as much work on us as on any situation we're asking God to work in. So we, one final thought here about genuinely communicating with God. Uh, God knows our needs. God knows what we need before we even ask. So you might say, well, why ask? Because God is wanting to do something in us. He's wanting our expression of faith. He's wanting to teach us trust and dependence and relationship with Him. And, uh, and so it's a work that God's doing in us through the praying. And one other caveat to say about God knows our needs. Very often we're going to be bringing things to God and say, God, I need this. God, give me this. I need this. Well, God knows our needs from the true perspective, from God's perspective. He knows what we need, what we need, and he knows when to give them to us. And so that's where trust comes in. So finally, we're going to get to the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Let's look at uh, this. This is a model prayer. It's interesting that we call it the Lord's Prayer because this actually isn't a prayer that Jesus prayed. In fact, if you were to understand the nature of Christ and, and, the, and what's in the, the Lord's Prayer, you know Jesus, there's several things in there Jesus wouldn't pray. For instance, forgive me. You know, Jesus wouldn't be praying for forgiveness. Um, in fact, this is a model prayer Jesus gave to his disciples. And I've heard several people say this really should be called the disciples' prayer. If you want to read a prayer of Jesus in its beauty and depth, go to John 17. Powerful prayer of Jesus. And in fact, he prays for his followers in, per- in perpetuity. So he prayed for you if you're a follower of Christ in John 17. Uh, but, but let's read the, the Lord's Prayer one more time. I'll read it out loud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our deeds, our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So there it is. It's a model prayer for us and what I hope comes across is the simplicity of it prayer does not have to be complicated now you can grow into a very deep prayer but you don't have to feel the pressure to start there you start with simplicity one of my favorite things about being a dad is hearing my kids pray even starting with the youngest, uh, when they're really young, and they start imitating our praying, and they pray along with us, and they say the words that we pray, but then something happens when they stop imitating, and they start praying from their own heart. It's just like, melt you into a puddle of tears on the floor kind of stuff happening there. And then, as they grow older, and their faith gets deep, and they, they understand the ways of God, and they pray in real powerful ways it it is a beautiful thing so what I'm trying to say is prayer is simple and accessible and Jesus did that on purpose you might notice if you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer uh, there's some things missing from this version maybe from the version you grew up if you grew up learning the Lord's Prayer in uh, the King James Version there is, uh, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And you might be wondering, where was that? That's supposed to be in there. Well, uh, that gets to uh, how we understand the Bible was put together. And uh, it's believed that was added in later. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean it isn't true. That's very true. It's just that the earliest manuscripts, the earliest copies of this portion of Scripture don't have that in there. So we believe it probably was added later later. Uh, it's not wrong, it's very true, and uh, true words to be spoken. But you might also, um, if, you're, if you pray regularly or listen to people pray, you might think, well, there's two other parts missing. It, Jesus didn't say, in my name, or in Jesus' name. And if we're not careful, we kind of tag that onto every prayer as like our own little incantation. Our own little, the prayer isn't complete unless we say, in Jesus' name, or or even a step removed that's a little bit not great is in your name. 
or in his name or something like that. We don't actually say the name of Jesus. I think if you're going to say in his name, you might as well say the name of Jesus. That's where the power is. Uh, but what Jesus, it's, it's coming from another part of the scripture where Jesus says, anything you ask in my name, the Father will grant. And it's not, it's not, it doesn't mean you have to put the name of Jesus on a prayer and then God has to answer it. That's not how it works. Uh, what it means is to be united to Christ so that you are asking in the spirit of Christ. But that also means you're submitting your prayers to God in the spirit of Christ. So it's, it's interesting. But so that's not there. And also the word amen is not there. Man, how could you have a prayer in the Bible and the word amen is not there? Isn't that like, does it, doesn't that have to be there? Can you just stop praying without saying amen? You know what's really freaky is if you pray with somebody that prays with their eyes open. That will give you the heebie-jeebies, right? The first time you ever see that. Just sometimes you're in a group praying, open your eyes, see who's looking around, right? No, I'm just kidding. No, but God hears your prayers whether your eyes open or not and whether you say amen or not. Amen is just a word that, uh, exp- that's like um, I'm putting my heart on this, saying it is true or God let it be. Uh, and it just means this is my solemn request. So you don't have to have amen there. I mean, uh, it's, it's just, just one of those uh, traditional and kind of formal parts of praying. All right, so now we're getting to the, the meat of it. How do we pray then? Jesus is teaching us how to pray, how to pray. So in the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see topics and attitudes and even a helpful order to put things in when we pray. So here's the first one. And, and it's fitting that it's the most important. How to pray? Well, first, remember your relationship with God. This is the most important thing when it comes to praying. And Jesus said it like this, our Father in heaven. Or if you're a King James, our Father who art in heaven. And this is the most important part of prayer because we are coming to God as our loving Father. And for Jesus' day, this was a little bit revolutionary. So all in the, the Old Testament, they understood God as Father. But it was more Father of us collectively. But Jesus, was, Jesus began to teach that, G, that God is not just our Father collectively, but He is your personal, individual Father in heaven. Now, I want to just pause and recognize some of us have a hard time with thinking about God as Father. And that is because we've had a poor representation of our Father on earth. Maybe even not just poor, but maybe uh, abusive or neglectful or abandoning. Maybe we have no good understanding of what Father means. And so to call God Heavenly Father, it might actually be a barrier for us. But that doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, On earth, the perfect human Father is supposed to represent our completely perfect Heavenly Father. And yes, as fathers, we fall short many times. But it doesn't change the reality that you have a perfect, powerful, loving Heavenly Father who invites you to come into relationship with Him. But here's the point, here's the, the main thing. How do you become a child of God? And that is through faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins and was raised to life on the third day and reigns with God at His right hand, interceding for you. Faith in Christ is how you become a child of God. So if you are new to understanding prayer and you've never put faith in Jesus, I would urge you, that is the first step. The first effective prayer is the prayer that says, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, would you forgive me of my sins, cleanse me by the blood of Jesus, and make me a new person. That is the first effective prayer a person can utter. And so once we have put our faith in Jesus, 
The Bible says we become a child of God. And so now we go to God in prayer as His child and He our loving Heavenly Father. And so prayer then is faith in action. Faith expressed, faith in God expressed through prayer. Sometimes people mistakenly put their faith in the prayer. No, faith in God expressed through prayer. A famous preacher and uh, professor of preachers, Haddon Robinson, tells this story to help us understand what it means to pray to God as Father. He tells about when his kids were little, and so this would have been like in the mid-50s to the early 60s. Uh, He said he would sit on the sofa and his kids, little kids would climb up in his lap and he played this game with them where he would put a few pennies, uh, I said that really weird, a few pennies in his hand and, uh, and hold out his hand. And the kids would like try to like pry his fingers open to get to the pennies. But as soon as they got the pennies out, they would just like hop down and go run off enjoying their treasures. And he said, that's how we sometimes mistakenly approach God, our Heavenly Father. We know He's our Father. We climb up in His lap to pray to Him. But then as soon as we feel like we've gotten what we want from Him, we run off. And that's not the point that Jesus is making when He says He's our Heavenly Father. We, we dwell in relationship with Him. And uh, prayer is that communication through the relationship we have with God. Second, Jesus says, how to pray? Exalt God for His glorious attributes. He says, hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed, it it, it means to be holy or revered or honored. Uh, The Greek word there is is a version of the word hagios, which means holy. And it's this idea that when we come to God, yes, it's it's, uh, beautiful when there's a, a familiarity with God, But there needs to be a recognition of the divine attributes of God. That He is the God we see in the Scriptures. And to say that, uh, to say holy or hallowed be your name, now that's interesting for us here in in our Western culture. We, We put a lot less meaning on names than in the past and even in other cultures. But to say, hallowed be your name, it means that the name of God is a representation of the person of God and all that he is. And so we're saying much more than just, uh, God, you have a pretty name. We're saying, I'm recognizing the divine attributes of who you are as God. And where Father, the word Father communicates the nearness, hallowed communicates the greatness We're saying, be God to me. It's demonstrating who is the servant and who is the Lord. And so it's helpful when we pray to remember the divine attributes of God, and specifically the ones related to prayer, God's wisdom, His all-knowing, His all-powerfulness, His eternal perspective, His goodness, His perfect love, and the fact that God is incorruptible. I'm, I'm in the middle of watching a documentary about uh, a murder, a mysterious murder that happened in Argentina. Uh, it's taken me a long time to watch this documentary because it's all in subtitles. They speak really fast in Argentinian. And I, I think it's Spanish. I don't know why it's Argentinian. And, uh, and I read really slow. So I'm doing a lot of re- rewinding to, to, to read these subtitles. But But here's the thing. The reason this murder is such a big mystery is because the police were corrupted. And the the murder victim and the family were a very powerful family. And they, someone bribed the police not to do an investigation. And so now they're trying to piece it all together years later. And and sometimes we, we take for granted that much of the world works with this idea that if you have power or money or sway, you can make things go your way. It is not that way with God. God is incorruptible. If you are lowly and weak and penniless in the sight of the world, 
You have just, you have just as much access to God as, as the most powerful king or ruler or, or, or wealthy person uh, on earth. And so, exalt God for his holy attributes. Jesus continues, when we are praying, ask God to intervene according to his will. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we're doing here is as we're beginning to to bring our requests to God, to lay bare our needs and wants before God, we are first pausing that and seeking God's will and His purpose. We're seeking the advancement of God's kingdom. We're aligning our hearts and our wills with God's heart and God's will. We're putting our plans in submission to God's plans. At home, uh, we are in the middle of building a treehouse. It's very exciting. Our boys, are, the younger ones especially, are super stoked about this treehouse. And uh, they want to be right in the middle of what I'm doing when I'm building this treehouse. They have aligned their wills with my will to build them a treehouse. And... Uh, and it's, it's a, a, really a beautiful thing. Yesterday I was out there, uh, sit, I was digging uh, holes to set the footings in. And, uh, and the boys just, just came right around. And two of them, diff- at different times, not having heard the other one say this, they both said this to me. I want to be like you. I want to build a treehouse like you're building. And that just reminded me. That is, that is what prayer is. It's us coming alongside God and saying, I see you at work. I see that you have a plan and a will and a purpose. I want to join in with that. And, and also, by putting our plans in submission to God's plans, we're recognizing, God, you have bigger things in mind than I can ever imagine. So, so with this treehouse... We kind of have a spot on the ground where the treehouse is going to go that I've laid out the lumber and I'm digging the footings. And so Titus, one of my uh, twins, walks up and he says, oh, the treehouse. And I said, well, the treehouse is going way up there. And his eyes just got big like, because his, his vision was so much lower than what the father's vision was. And so when we come... And submit our plans and will to God's. We are saying your way is higher than my way. And even Jesus did this when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. The perfect example of submitting your will to the will of the Father. As he was praying about the cross and the sacrifice. And he said, Father, take this cup from me. I would rather not do this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so ask God to intervene according to his will. Furthermore, Jesus says, rely on uh, God's provisions when we pray. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, and, And that one seems to hit home because we all like to eat or need to eat or eat most days and that makes a lot of sense to us god give us our daily bread but here's a question how much do you really need god like if god wasn't involved would you have bread to eat today it's a really important thing to remember and i would say that the scriptural viewpoint is That we depend on God for everything. Our existence. Our every breath. The food that gives us energy. The home that shelters us. The clothes that keep us warm. And we can make the list go on and on and on. We depend on God for everything. We can have nothing without God. We can do nothing without God. We have to recognize We depend on God for everything. Even when you get up and go to work, you take your paycheck and you buy your food. You go home and you cook your food. Then you sit down with your family and you eat your food. You still must recognize all of that, 
Even the ability to work is a gift from God. The very breath in our lungs is a gift from God. And so we recognize that we are relying on God's provision. But also, this give us this day our daily bread, part of the prayer, it also is a hint to us about how often we should pray. One thing that's missing in, in uh, the Lord's Prayer is a lot of, of uh, rules and boundaries and uh, formats of this is what you have to do. But this is a hint at how often we should pray. Daily. A daily reminder of our reliance on God. A daily expression of that reliance. A daily coming to the Lord and recognizing our relationship with Him. Uh, Exodus 16 tells the, uh, the account of when God first sent manna to the Israelites as they were fleeing Egypt. And that is a perfect connection to this. Give us this day our daily bread. I encourage you to read that. And so in this, this part, is, uh, this relying on God's provision is also where we would have expression of our other needs also, our supplications. We bring our needs to God. We ask for Him to intercede. And we ask for Him to intercede for the needs of others. But let's, let's keep going. How do we pray? We depend on God's grace. Jesus said, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I would say much more than the help in this physical realm that we might pray for, we need much more the grace of God to cover our sins. And so Jesus includes that. And he's saying uh, that as long as we're bound to these fleshly bodies and we live in this fallen world, we will fall short of fully glorifying God. We will need God's grace. Here's Romans 3. This is for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So if we cry out for our physical needs, but we neglect to confess our sin and ask for forgiveness, we leave out the most important parts. I would urge you, pray for your soul. Pray for your spiritual life. But then Jesus connects it to one other thing. He says that having received God's grace, we must be vessels of that grace to others. Thank you, Josh. Very kind of you. We must be vessels of God's grace to others. As we're praying, we, have a, we need to be reminded to let God's grace flow to others. Jesus said, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he has this other little section that's kind of after the, the Lord's Prayer. That's kind of explaining that. Uh, where he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so, so Jesus and the Father, they're tying our forgiveness to our forgiving other people. And we really don't like that. That, that, that's really hard for us to, to grasp. But here's what I think the point is, that the sign of a heart that's been transformed by grace is that we also give grace to others. And a great uh, illustration of all this is the parable of the unforgiving servant. And you can go and read that in Matthew 18, uh, where Jesus is trying to teach his followers to be forgiving people because God has forgiven them and he's made them to be forgiving people. And it's a really incredible account there. But um, I think we need to ask a question. Since you've been forgiven so much, if you're in the family of God and you've been forgiven so much, what holds you back from forgiving someone that's wronged you? Now, forgiveness doesn't excuse actions. In fact, I don't like it when someone comes and asks for forgiveness and you say, it's okay. That's not forgiveness. That's, that's actually wrong. It's not okay. Wrong has been done. The right response is, I forgive you. As the Father has forgiven me, so I forgive you. 
And that, I would say this, this is a, a powerful truth. Nothing brings our heart into more alignment with the heart of God than giving grace to those who don't deserve it. And that's why it's, Jesus includes it as part of our prayer. And finally, the last part of the praying then is recognize the spiritual realm. And lead us not in temptation, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, as we know from James chapter 1, God does not create or cause us to be tempted. God does not tempt us. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Where does temptation come from? But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. No, God doesn't tempt us. So why is Jesus teaching us to pray, God, lead us not into temptation? Well, there's this, uh, this way of speaking in uh, like a figure of speech that you state a positive by say, stating a negative. And we do this all the time. Uh, you ever said, oh, that's not bad. You know, how was your day? Not bad. Well, what we should say is, it was pretty good. But we're stating the pretty good with a negative, not bad. Or uh, you ever heard, uh, he's not the sharpest tool in the box or in the shed. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed today. Uh, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. We're, what we're saying is, uh, he's pretty dumb. He's not bright. Well, there's another one. I just did it. He's not bright. Um, so I think that's what's, what's happening here is we're not saying God would normally lead us into temptation if we don't pray, don't lead me into temptation. What we're really saying is uh, God lead us in the way we should go. We are following you. So we're trusting you. So you lead and we will follow. But also the second part of this is we're recognizing that there is spiritual danger. There is a spiritual realm that our eyes can't see. That is real and true and has powers and has effects on us and effects on the world. And we're just recognizing before God that that is real. But also that we serve a God who is more powerful. We say, deliver us from evil. God is more powerful. He is able to protect us. He is able to deliver us. And so we are, we are making our appeal to the greater one. We're not sitting here shaking in fear because of the spiritual realm and the danger it imposes. No, we go to the one who's higher than that and say, we trust you. Deliver us. So I would say, are you caught in the clutches of evil? God can deliver you. Are you aware and afraid of the threat around you? God can protect you. So here we are. We've gone through the, all the Lord's Prayer. There are whole books written about the Lord's Prayer, so forgive me for being a little long-winded. But um, I want to wrap it back up with these next steps. Next step, first, just pray. If, even if in my expounding of the Lord's Prayer it got to be too complicated, go back to the very beginning. It is simple. It is accessible. It is an invitation into talking with God through a relationship. Just pray. Here's a great quote about that uh, from Andrew Murray, a famous theologian uh, who wrote a book on prayer. Uh, and he said, reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures and talking about it is very good, but it won't teach you to pray. You get nothing without exercise, without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful music, but that won't teach me to play an instrument. No, you want to be better at praying? Start by just praying. God meets you where you are. And in fact, on our sermon page on the website, I put uh, a little guide that's called the ACTS Prayer Method, A-C-T-S. It's a great introductory way built on the Lord's Prayer, but that gets you started in just praying. Second next step is plan to pray. If you want to go to the next level, maybe you, you do just pray sometimes, but now you're ready to go to the next level. Plan to pray. This is what uh, Don Whitney describes as discipline. This is where you say, I'm going to say to my future self, 
this time of your day is set aside to talk to God. It's great to do it in the morning. Uh, it's okay to do it at night. I, a lot of people fall asleep while they're trying to pray to God at night. But find the time that works for you and plan to pray. Here's another great little uh, idea is stay on the line with God. This is what I mean. One of the admonitions in Scripture about prayer is pray without ceasing. And so sometimes we get overwhelmed by that. What's that mean? I'm on my knees all day long. I have to go to work. I have to go to school. I have to eat. I have to sleep. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Well, it, to me, this is what it means. Uh, if, you, uh, if you ever like to talk to someone on the phone and at the end of the conversation, you have to say goodbye and you have to hang up. Well, just pretend like prayer is that. You're talking to God on the phone, only you just never hang up. You're just, the phone is there, God's on the line, and at any instant, you can immediately start talking to Him again if you wish. Anything comes to mind, you immediately start talking to God. So, so you just don't ever hang up with God. You don't ever say goodbye, I'll see you tomorrow morning. No, it's just, thank you, and I'll be right back. And stay on the line with God. That's pray without ceasing. Uh, pray scripture. This is a really great uh, help for growing in your praying. And I wanted to have time to explain how to do that. But the, the easiest thing is you read a portion of scripture and then immediately you turn around and just pray it back to God. If it's, about, if it's about the human aspect, you pray about yourself to God. If it's about the God aspect, you pray about it's about God to him. If it's about the world, you pray about the world to God. You're just repeating it back to God. Uh, pray with others. This is a really helpful next step. If you have a family or if you are in a community group, pray with them. Pray regularly with them. You will grow in your prayers by praying with other people. You'll hear from them. You'll be influenced by them. Your collective faith will make you stronger too. Uh, also, we have a prayer group on Monday nights that meets right here in this room or in one of the rooms nearby. Come on Monday nights and pray with others. Finally, persevere in prayer. Maybe you've prayed for something. You feel like God's not answering you. Persevere in faith until you, uh, you have a clear sense of, of God's answer. Uh, so don't give up in your praying. All right. Thank you for listening so uh, long and let's take a moment and do what we've been talking about let's talk to God uh, I'll, I'll speak it out loud but you speak to God in your heart will you pray with me our great heavenly father thank you for teaching us to pray thank you for the words of Christ uh, that he loved his followers uh, so much that he gave his life that we could be your children. And now we can talk to you, our Father God. And so, uh, Lord, you know where each one of us stands in relationship to you. You know where each one of us is in our spiritual life and in our praying. Would you grow us? Would you bring us close? Would you make us uh, your children in every sense of that way, of that word? And we pray this, God, with true faith and hope and dependence on you. Amen.